Time marches on and leaves behind those who are not equipped for tomorrow. We cannot predict what will happen in the future, but we at Regent University aim to prepare you for it. With world-class professors and over 150 programs, the opportunities to find success in your field are many. So don't let tomorrow pass you by. The journey to your brightest future begins here. Visit regent.edu slash learn more. Welcome to the Bible Live Quiz Hour. It's time to test and grow your knowledge of the Bible. The entire Bible every year. On Sunday nights at 9, join us here for the Bible Live Quiz Hour. Some people ask questions from the Bible Live leads. You call in with the correct answers and you win. It's just that simple. So get out your Bible, put on your thinking cap, and hit that speed dial. Because here's the host of The Bible Live. Your Apache Indian scout through the book of books, Soapy Dollar. All right, we are in the house. Thank you for joining us tonight, folks. Ready for a brand new Bible Live program? We're looking at the book of Leviticus tonight. All things Leviticus. Uh, that's going to be interesting to us. What does Leviticus mean, Jacob? Well, Leviticus is what the Romans ended up in Latin's named it. It's actually Vaikara okay. uh, in Hebrew, which means it comes from the first couple words. Every Here's the key. Uh, every chapter, every portion, every, every uh, book actually is named for the first couple of main words in the, fir- in the first sentence. I see. So it's Vaikara, and, and it starts off by... What was that? I'm getting a high pitch sound. I know what it is. My headphones are getting too close to the mic, and it's keep coming your, through. Keep your headphones whistling. away from that mic. <laughs> okay, I will. No, so so, it, Leviticus begins with the word "He called to Moses." Uh-huh. Ah huh. The Lord called to Moses. Uh, yeah. So, so anyway, he called Moses as Vaikra. Okay. He calls to Moses. Now, when they uh, the people who are translating, I thought Moses was Moshe or something. Moshe. Like Moshe. So wouldn't that be a part of the book, or is it just he calls? Uh, well, no, actually, he, uh, uh, he calls. Yeah, he okay. called to yeah Moses. Okay, but and I think this is only the third time that he calls Moses. I think the first time is on Mount Sinai, then there's a second time, then I think this is the third. And I think he emailed him after that, or he, texted him one. Yeah, he he may have. <laughs> yeah, I know he downloaded the Ten Commandments. Moses. I remember. I remember. Uh, <laughs> I saw the movie. Well, we are in the uh, house. We're looking at the book of Leviticus tonight. And it and it's interesting. I it, I was telling Jacob, I had an individual last week tell Not me an anything individual. but the book of Leviticus. I, it, boy, that's just so boring. That's just so... And I, I mentioned that to you, and you said, oh, it's because he didn't understand. If he only understood the depths of it. and the, the, So anyway, help. you're going to have to well, help may, us tonight. May I bit. say something? Yes, you may. All right, here's the catch. Uh, I know next week I will not be here, uh-huh. but you'll be doing your Christmas show. Right. And you can do it without benefit of me. Because next week, this coming week, we uh, start in our reading program, we start uh, our reading schedule, the Gospel of Matthew. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, and, then we, and we start there with the birth of Jesus of Nazareth. Ah, okay. So you'll be doing your Christmas. Now, 
I, I realized, and I was getting ready for this evening, I realized something. If you feel, and this is absolutely fine, if you're very secure and you're good with Jesus, you know, of being born and dying for your sins, yeah, perfect, mm-hmm. perfect. Now, that's good. But if you, as I saw, like me sticking my car into the, my key into the ignition, I turn the car on, all I got to know is the car starts. But if I want to know details on how what makes the car run. The internal combustion in engine yeah, if and I the ignition know that, system and all that. Then there are people that need to know that or mm-hmm. want to know that. Mm-hmm. So if, um, if somebody wants to understand exactly what Jesus was doing when he died for your sins, then Leviticus is the key, pardon the pun, to understand. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, well, we're going to count on you tonight. Fill us in and, and help us to understand well, more deeply than perhaps we ever have before. Well, Leviticus is no doubt. What it's, Jesus it's did. Probably. It's meant okay. to go for the priest. Okay. But. Uh, that's the name Le- Levi, Leviticus, right? The, the idea is. Well, that's where they got it from, yes, mm-hmm. sir. Uh, however, I got that's from the tribe of Levi. Levi. But So here's the deal. Um, if the priest. Uh, they had to know how to practice this. It's sort of like getting a driver's license. One thing to pass it on paper, but you got to be able to do it. So they knew this is really meant for the instructions of the priest. However, what's fascinating is that the people themselves are taught so they can look at what the priests are doing and determine are the priests doing this. And understanding it, because uh, in some ways, we talked about this a little bit last week, is that uh, we, we have a concept, a New Testament concept, that's called the priesthood of the believer. Right. And and so, you know, in a sense, we as as God's people now serve a function of a, a, a type of priesthood in that we represent God to people when we pray for people and intercede for them. And also, as we share God's word and the message of, of redemption with people, we are representing God to people. So we have a role of... Uh, um, a mediator type role in, in, in a type of priesthood at least so the, the thing i wanted to ask you about uh levitical now, now the book of leviticus as i understand it the the general theme that as i have been taught from the book of leviticus is is um holiness it, god's holiness that because of the for example, the, sacrifice, the sacrifices, the sacrificial system, the everything, the the the, the in commandments that were given for the priests and for their preparation and for their dedication, uh, and in the commandments that we, we've just seen from the book of uh, Exodus with the with the um, tabernacle, we've seen instructions that were given for the different uh, worship, the instructions for rightly worshiping God and and, and praising Him and, and you know, just experiencing God's presence in the camp and uh, uh, individuals as well. So worship, it was a, is a central theme, and then and then Leviticus. The idea is that God's holiness, and meaning his his um, the word holy means set apart, unique, uh, unlike any other, uh, and and in all of his attributes and all of his ways, God is uh, he is pure and holy. That the, the idea. So um, so that. Our worship should reflect that reverence and that respect for well, a holy God. Well, this is really God. meant for the priest. Mm-hmm. So the priests are making atonement. Right. So, but, and uh, 
And there's going to be a very interesting question, which I'm going to satisfactorily answer to your curiosity. All right. I hope. I hope. Good, good, good. But I am going to present an interesting question. Maybe we should present, start off with that question. Yeah, let's do that. Go ahead. Which Here's one is the it? interesting question. What's the question? The question is this. Uh, before I say this, I do want to say, because we're starting on Chapter 2. Uh-huh, uh-huh. If we start off on Chapter 1, I want to point out that in Chapter 1, it says, uh, see, in verse uh, verse 3, uh, chapter 1, 3, I just want to say that this is a, these are voluntary offerings. Okay. They're not required. Okay? Yes. But they're okay. voluntary. Mm-hmm. Now, if it's voluntary to offer the animal, and we're going to see in a couple different sentences that there's a couple things going on that a person has to make the individual assessment they have sinned. Now, here's the question. If this was in place, and if this did, when a person made their own personal assessment, I have sinned, Uh I have sinned, Uh, and then as a form of a physical uh, example, a symbolism, I'm offering the animal. The animal becomes basically my body, Uh, I've offered my body as a symbol. But first, there's a decision you have to make and accept that you have sinned. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Now, if there's a system in place where God forgave the sins, why would there have to be in the future a Messiah that would die for your sins? Because there's already a satisfactory place here that took care of all the sins. I get it. Okay. Okay, that's the question. That's the question. So... Isn't it fascinating? Here's an example where the sins are, uh, clearly he says several places, he says, and your sin is forgiven. Yeah. If Mm -hmm. it's in place. Yes. Why would it be necessary to come up with another one, a Messiah from the uh, New Testament point of view, that dies for your sins if you already have a place in place? Okay. That uh, that takes care of this. That's an interesting question, isn't mm-hmm, it? It is. I, let's leave it hanging out there and see if somebody wants to address it. Okay. Uh, now, you were looking at uh, the first couple of verses, and then he talks about present an animal as an offering to the Lord. You may take it from your herd uh, and so on. And it says, if the animal you present as a burnt offering is from the herd, it must be a male with no defects, without blemish, without spot, as we're told in other places. Uh, You bring the animal to the entrance of the tabernacle, and the priest will lay his hand on the animal's head, and the Lord will accept its death in your place to purify you, making you right with him. Then slaughter the young bull in the Lord's presence, and Aaron's sons, the priest, will present the animal's blood by splattering against all sides of the altar that stands at the entrance of the tabernacle. Mm-hmm. Remember, we talk about the brazen altar the, that was there. Uh, that's so, a brazen thing to say. That's a very brazen. Uh, yeah. And it, it, I want to kind of get this as real as we can. Sure. This is basically to say that the the Israelites' camp, when they uh, the 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 tabernacle is situated is located in the very middle of the camp and the tribes are arranged in a specific order in the way they march and the way they travel around the tabernacle remember the tabernacle is the little tent is i think 30 by 30 uh but feet and the the uh, um the fence around 
which is the outer boundaries of the tabernacle, is uh, 25 by 50 yards, and that is about the size of a fourth of a football field, 25 yards across and, and 50 yards long. And the tent is within in, in that within the uh, the fence. Now um, there's a brazen altar, and it to kind of paint. I guess it pretty much smelled like a, a barbecue pit. Uh, pretty much I, every day, I right? Thank God, like barbecue. Uh, I guess so. But what we have to remember now: all of these, all of these sacrifices. You yourself mentioned the word symbolic. And they are, they are not themselves. We're told later on in the New Testament that it's not the blood of bulls and goats that ever actually forgives sin. But it is mm-hmm. it is symbolic or representative of a repentant heart, someone who repents of sin, who, who acknowledges his sin. And, and this is that what they do. To um, to express that repentance and that that desire for forgiveness, and the lamb or the goat or the bull is a is a a picture of well the the, the for one the the mm, the price of sin that sin is destructive that sin uh, destroys that sin robs of life and and so that for one it's about the seriousness of sin. Uh, I remember even in in the Garden of Eden. Remember when Adam and Eve sinned that in in order to cover their their nakedness and their shame, um, they tried to use uh, fig leaves, but God intervened and they had to see an animal. An animal had to die. An animal was slain, and they were covered with the skins of that animal. In other words, from the very beginning, the idea is that. Sin has a price. It has a consequence, and that is, without the, the soul that sins, it shall die. Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. Uh, the wages of sin is death, and so on. So, part of that is a seriousness, I think. But also, apart from that, this had a practical application, I think, Jacob. It, it did, and and I almost feel bad emphasizing, but it, but I'm not sure. It, we should be embarrassed. Here. No, no, no. It also was for the feeding of of the priests and their That's families. They, they use this, these, uh, uh, not all of them. They had strict instructions about how to use the, the uh, sacrifices and the offerings that were given. But these also helped to provide food, uh, sustenance for the uh, priests and their wives and their children. Remember, the Levites did not have a. They did not receive a, a portion. Of the land, an allotment of land when they went into Canaan, into they, they could, the promised land. They could land. own a home in the city. Right. But they had, and they could pasture their sheep around Bethlehem, actually. Right. Mm-hmm. But they couldn't own a parcel of land. That's correct. But as a tribe, they were not as a allotted. Tribe, they were not allotted. They could only have a home. And so the people helped sustain they them through that. their offerings yeah. and through their, their uh, sacrifices here, helped provide for the those of the uh, the Levites of sure. that clan. Now, it says um, it must be a male, no defects. Uh, bring it to the tabernacle. Your head, your hand on the animal's head, and the Lord will accept his death in your place. There was a, there was a process there that was given. Uh, so, uh, and there are other. The, there's a burnt offering to make payment for sins in general, and that's what we're talking about in that verse, right? The burnt offering. Some of these rules voluntary. Apply, uh, 
Well, yeah. Well, some of these rules apply across the board. Okay. And but then it gets particular as we get into chapter six and chapter seven. The the grain offerings. Now you had the burnt offering, the grain offering. There was a peace offering, uh, the sin offering. And the guilt offering. And you're going to help us understand these, well, I hope. Yeah, you don't have to know how to build the car, but I will help you be able to tell okay. uh, how to start it. The significance. Uh, now, the burnt offering, there are three of them, I think, that are voluntary By the and way, two are required. historically, you might like to know, this is mm-hmm. one of the books that the Jewish children begin studying first. Is that right? Mm-hmm. And because it's complicated. And then after they go back and go through all the Bible and Genesis, they come back and they go back through it and say, oh, gee, you know, this wasn't so hard. I got the idea of this. Okay. Well, there we have it. That, that's generally the overview. Now, within the book, uh, there, there are these different offerings that we can come to understand that will, as you say, will help us understand what Jesus did for us, as right. as we understand him to be the Messiah, the Lamb of God, as John the Baptist said, the, the baptizer said, behold the Lamb of God, it takes away the sin of the world. So he, right. uh, in other words, these these offerings are in some way a picture of the 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 work that God would accomplish through Messiah, through well, and, and that really brings us back to the question: uh-huh. If I have a system in place, why do I need some another system to come along? There's a very good answer, but I'm waiting to see if somebody's got it. Okay, yeah. Our phone number is 210-340-9585. 210-340-9585. Now, this clearly was a bona fide, validated way in which people could express uh, their faith in God and their in His forgiveness, His grace. They, were, they did experience real forgiveness, but uh, uh, then why was... A, a later sacrifice, the Messiah we talk about in, in the New Testament. Why was that necessary? If this this other accomplished the the uh, goal of, of uh, repentance and forgiveness. So let, let someone else voice that. Yeah, let's see, what they come let's up see if with. our we'll listeners come up the, with an uh, answer. They'll try to answer the question perhaps in the last half hour if somebody has something to offer, mm-hmm. or if they call in and they want to discuss it, we can do it that way. Yeah, okay. Then then let's uh I think once we have that I'm looking for someone there are other there are other things besides the offerings and and we'll look at those in detail more detail. But there is also a restitution from damages that are spoken of. Um and we have this intriguing story of um these two young uh priests they're Aaron's sons, Nadab and Abihu, oh. Abihu, or I don't know how you'd say that, but uh, they are actually um, destroyed for what it says, burning a different kind of fire yes. than what God had commanded. Right. So we can talk about that in a very interesting detail that you just pointed out to me. Uh, they were burned. They were burned up, but their clothes were not, which is a very, I had never noticed that particular detail. Well, it's because they were not being kosher in their actions. But the clothes they were wearing was described by God on how to make them, and they were made appropriately, so the clothes were still kosher or holy, (laughs) but they were not. So whatever they got right remained, but uh, the place where they they disobeyed. Somebody made it. Uh uh Got it. 
Well, that's a very interesting detail. And then we have this all of these things about uh, uh, kosher food that that's that's in that particular section. And the reason that follows immediately afterwards, where suddenly this is kind of how you have to read Jewish literature. Uh-huh. You got the story about the two boys, uh-huh. Moses, Aaron's sons. They die. Well, that's pretty depressing. But then immediately we go into this section about kosher animals. So he's making the distinction he's telling us by the story structure that they were not acting kosher. But the animals, here's the distinction. So you can make a difference between what's kosher and what is not. So it follows immediately afterwards. Yeah. I, I, there's another question I'd like to put out to folks to give you a chance to call in and answer. Yeah. Is um, Oh, <laughs> It had to do with kosher with the animals. I, all of a sudden, it went right out of my brain uh, as we were talking about kosher animals and so on. Uh, I'll, I'll come up with another one. Maybe I should just ask what two types, general classes of animals that were considered to be kosher, that were uh, able, that were all right for the people to eat, and other animals were not. And, and uh, I noticed that among the insects, you could eat a certain kind of insect, but there are other insects you couldn't have. A, I, I want to tell you that, folks, so you'll know in case you were going to have a uh, a bowl of insects tonight for supper, you're going well, to know which ones uh, are acceptable. That's right. <laughs> now you bring up the question. I don't know if this is where you're headed. I, I was jokingly talking about eating uh, insects, but well, okay. That, and that, yeah, but there is one that is allowed. Oh yeah, I know the one, and I, there there's several of this type, right? That there's a hundred. Okay, but you have to know which one. <laughs> I find that so funny. I would have no problem with that because I'm just not sure I could eat insects. Maybe they're maybe they're well, this better one than is I not, think. Not a little tiny thing like you're used to. Uh-huh. This is like a more the size like a. Um, more like a hot Small dog. Small bird, maybe? You can break open the hot dog and eat, eat the... So it's a larger thing. I see. Okay, okay, okay. Well, there would we you have... like to know, where does that occur? Who's doing that? What? Making the rules about insects no, or eating insects? Who, who's eating that thing you're talking about? Come on, Soapy, you're on the line here. Would that be priests? No. No? In the New Testament. Oh, in the... Oh. John? John. Now, why is it important that we're told that he's eating, what is he eating, honey and? Uh, yeah, come uh, on, Toby, come uh, on, come uh, on, come uh, on, come uh, on. Uh, uh, this is over on your side of the Bible. Honey, oh, I know, I know, I, it's just not coming to my brain right now. He's eating honey and what? Um, beans, some kind of uh, some kind of leaves. This is locusts. Locusts, yes. And uh, Honey. Honey, okay. I knew you were going to say that. I I apologize for interrupting. So the locust, okay. But the locust is, is not really <laughs> He's locust. so gracious. Okay. But uh, but my point is this. Now, why is that important that we're told that about John the Baptist? That he ate locusts. Yes. Well, and, why and, are we honey, told? and honey. And honey. Well, it's both of those. something right are, here that takes place honey in Honey is also kosher. But it is. But this takes place in Leviticus, so you can understand what in the world is going on. Well, let's leave that question out there too, so that I, I'd love for I'd love to see how many of our listeners have a thought about this. Why? So why is that mentioned in the New Testament that John the Baptist? <clears throat> we know he had a special clothing and made a real 
unusual fashion statement. He, actually, what he was wearing was Elijah's prayer shawl, if you want to know. Okay. So we have that, that, that fashion statement he's making. But also he uh, uh, ate uh, what they call uh, honey and locusts. I've heard that that meant something about the, the idea of locusts meant some kind of leaf, but I'm not sure of that. I don't no. know where you got that, but okay. we're going to leave that alone because it's so wrong it'd be embarrassing for me to correct. Okay. All right. The, so anyway, folks, if you know, why is John the Baptist mentioned as eating honey and locusts? And it's in Leviticus. As it relates to Leviticus. And, exactly. and Jesus dying on the cross for sins. You can know that he did it. And if that's good for you, then that's all you need to know. And you're, you're secure. Uh-huh. You feel good. That's perfect. Let it go at that. But if you want to know, if you, if, if, if you just got to know what time it is, then we can tell you what time it is. But if you want to know how to build a clock, Leviticus is going to tell you what Jesus was doing on the cross. <laughs> okay. And I would like you to answer the question about how were people forgiven? They were truly, genuinely forgiven of their sin through this Old Testament uh, procedure. So how does that relate okay. first, to the Messiah? First, well, first of all, we got to understand. Uh, and I know this is, and I, you know, I debate this uh, by myself all uh-huh. the time. Oh, you re- debate with yourself? I do. Oh, and I, I love and it's to easy that. because I always win. <laughs> but yes. what I'm saying is, so I, I say, is it necessary for people to know this, or do we just go on with it and skip over it? Do the light fantastic. Mm-hmm. So let's take a look at start at chapter 4. Okay, chapter 4. That would be in... Leviticus. With the big number four in front of it, yeah. Uh, I'm fascinated to see what your Bible holiday translated verse one. Or verse, verse one and two, actually. Okay. Then the Lord said to Moses, Give the following instructions to the people of Israel. This is how you are to deal with those who sin unintentionally by doing anything that violates one of God's commands. Now, let's stop and look what the Bible Leviticus said sin is let's do that right after the break there's music what do you think there's music there it is i think it's music i heard somebody is that john over there uh... all right he prays on christmas well that's that's like some folks who go to church on Christmas, right? That's better than nothing, <laughs> that's right? That's a, a, it's a you great bet. start. It's a great well, start. folks, there you have it. That's our first segment. We kind of set up the uh, meal for this evening as we get into the scriptures. We're going to talk about the book of Leviticus. I hope you'll stay with us and give us a call. We'd love to have your participation talking about these offerings, talking about uh, forgiveness and cleansing, and as it relates to uh, the New Testament and, and the coming of Jesus of Nazareth. How does that relate to our faith and understanding today, today of being forgiven and cleansed? All right? Give us a call, 210-340-9585, and we'll be back. Don't go, don't go away. You're listening to The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. Dr. Stan Shelton with offices at Loop 410 and Broadway has taken care of the Dollar family that's Suzanne and me plus our three children for the past 25 years. Suzanne, tell the folks about our dentist. 
Well, like you say, Dr. Shelton is a dentist for a lifetime. He's got the latest technology. He's busy, but I've never had to wait. And I never dread going to the dentist. In fact, he and his staff are so personable that I actually rather enjoy it. Go to DrShelton.com or call 590-7878. You're listening to The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. All right, we are back, getting in the mood and getting that Christmas spirit going. I hope you are, you and your family are, are already well along the way and celebrating and rejoicing. This is a great season of the year. The, the, the lights, the colors, the uh, people tend to be seem to be a little friendlier and and maybe not we're not pushing Actually, and so shoving so much. Actually, it's the time of the year that I like going shopping. Is that right? Yes. You know why? Because everybody else is online and you're no, the only one out I there. I like going shopping because I like seeing the happy people. I go down to the North Star Mall and everybody's yeah. happy and and festive and people tend to be nicer. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. And that's the only time I intend I like to go shopping because I enjoy the friendliness of people. Yeah. In fact, would you like to hear a joke? Yes. Okay. You know what the the Jews do at the North Star Mall? Oh, boy, I could think up for the thing, but I'd be trying to okay. create my own they joke. stand by their cash register, and as they ring up the sales, they sing, Oh, what a friend we have in Jesus. <laughs> that's right. Well, that's uh, I can understand that. There is a commercial side to this thing. We always well, look like at it that way. Every, All right. Everything is, you think is advertising or gift, like the uh-huh. charities, mm-hmm. you got to pay for that. Uh-huh. That's all airtime. Somebody's got to pay the somebody bill. Somebody does. So if I exactly. make a hundred dollar donation, somebody's paying for the airtime to make those donations to these charities. But. You know, I just think there should be some disclosure on that. All right, all right. Hey, leave that alone. That's too close to home. <laughs> too close okay. to home, I guess. Uh, well, no, let's get back to Leviticus. Right, let's go if, back. I'm so only interested if it's sin, all right? Yeah, so here's the catch. <laughs> okay, here's worry, the catch. I'm going to clear this up, and it'll come out to a happy acceptance at the end. Okay, wonderful. Uh, now, what it says is, so God said to Moses, spoke to Moses, speak to the children of Israel, saying... You've seen some Bibles that'll say, like the old King James, it'll say, spoke and then sang. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Do you know why it says that? That's ac- actually accurate. He's spoken what? to him, saying. Sp- uh-huh. It's not like the old King James that has that. It'll say, God said, saying. Do you okay. know why, what no. that means? Is, Tell me why. Because when God said it, that's, he said it. But when he used the word saying s- sequentially after the word said, that means repeated to others. Ah, excellent. That's okay. what that means. I like it. Okay. Makes so sense says, to me. When a person will sin unintentionally from among the commandments of God that may not be done and commits one of them. Okay, you're now, reading from your direct translation. I there. am. This is straight from the Chapter Hebrew. 4, verses 3 and 4, right? That, that uh, right? I was doing 2 and uh, yes. Yeah, okay, verse 2. Verse okay. Two. Unintentional sin. Uh huh. Okay, so here's the catch. Okay. As we'll discover shortly, lambs, little lambsy divies, mm-hmm. uh, they're only available for use for one thing, for unintentional. 
Do you know when Jesus was on the cross? Yes. He said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know. They, that's right. He did not done. say, forgive them. They know what they're doing. If he said that, then everybody would say, well, I don't know who he was, but he sure was not the Lamb of God because he got it wrong. Uh-huh. But he said it correctly. He said, forgive them. They do not know what they're doing. Interesting, isn't it? It is very interesting because we only take that, I think, uh-huh. us by, uh-huh. I say we in the sense of our general sort of a Gentile, uh-huh. you know, American well, understanding you of the stop, Scripture. you gotta, you got to stop that. The, no, no, it is the true, Gentiles though. Gentiles are not stupid. No, 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 no. <laughs> I'm not saying we are, and, and of course we're not. I'm a genius. But no. but what I'm trying to say is that, you know, we just have this book in English, and it we read it, and we don't nearly connect, we don't. Connect all the dots as well as you guys do because you've been dealing yeah, with these things so much had, longer. You've only had 2,000 years? Yeah, what? yeah, I know. But we don't really connect with necessarily what Jesus' words on the cross with uh, an Old Testament passage that talks about that well, to be an uh, unintentional sin. The lambs are used for sin. Mm-hmm. Sin, here's the definition. There's two requirements, two uh-huh. requirements, two requirements. Uh-huh. One, it has to be unintentional. Two... It has to be of something God said not to do. Uh-huh. It doesn't say it's something that you you did and you failed to do. It says something he said do not do. Doing anything that violates one of uh, God's commands that, right. that we're not to so do. So it has to be unintentional and doing something that God said not, not to, to do. do. Okay. Let's suppose he said, honor your mom and dad. doesn't say you love them. says you have to honor them. And you don't. Well, and uh, you think, well, I, I, I didn't do that. But I, I didn't think about it. I didn't think honoring was maybe feeding them, maybe helping them if they're cold, maybe doing something for them. So I didn't know that's what that meant. So I didn't do it, and he said you should do it. So you did it unintentionally, and you didn't realize that you were violating something he said that you shall not do. So that is not the sin offering that we're talking about right now, oh, then, because y- yes, you did this, not this know. This is it. the sin. Oh, this is unintentional. So right. So so then, at some time or other, you become aware of the fact that it was wrong. True. Ah, uh, two things. Okay. You are so close. It's because sh- I sin a whole lot. Yeah, well, you shine like gold. <laughs> I'm pretty much an expert uh, on this okay, sinning so, thing. Now, there's unintent. I want to stress something. Uh-huh. None, none of these offerings, none of them are offered for intentional sins. None. There is no offerings here for intentional sins. Okay? Uh, yes. That's a little scary. Well, it should be. Because what it requires is is your personal repentance for the intentional stuff and restitution. So you personally repent. Now, if you didn't know, let me give you an example. If you didn't know that it was wrong to commit adultery, uh-huh. And you did it. Well, you did something intentional, but you didn't know it was wrong. So therefore, or if I steal, suppose I stole something from you, and I've been raised in a culture where stealing's okay. I don't think, well, what did I do wrong? I didn't know it was wrong. Then it's a sin because it was unintentional. I did not mean to do it, but I did it. But, and okay, God let, says, I gotta, you shall not steal. i got to ask this because okay, I've please. counseled a lot of young people over the years. Uh-huh. I mean... 50 years on the mission field and all the uh, the young men and women, college students, you know, wherever we've gone, they're ministering and and young people. Uh, What if... Can we have a name, please? (laughs) (laughs) What if, for example, it's not a matter of, I I don't, I didn't know that it was wrong, but that I am 
I actually deny that it's wrong. I, I knowingly, it's a, yeah. I, maybe you see what I mean. Yeah, or not. I understand. God wants me to be happy, so I'm going to divorce my wife and six children and run off my secretary because God wants me to be happy. So I don't think that's wrong. Do you think that's wrong? <laughs> and so there's this justification right, thing. Sure. Uh, that's the truth. He knows it's wrong. Okay. So the truth is, I, I, well, God knows whether He no, knows I mean, it or not. Doing but it sure, knows it's wrong. Yeah. Okay. So, so, he so it's not it. just living in denial. It's it's actually not knowing, just yeah. truly, genuine. Well, and, and God knows the, the example difference, I for gave sure. during the break. Okay. And this is the example I'm giving is actually an example from Jewish writings. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Let's suppose a guy did not know it was a Sabbath, and the Jews are not supposed to work on Saturday uh-huh, the Sabbath. Uh-huh, uh-huh. But he goes out and he chops wood all day, and after he says, what? somebody says, you know, today's a Sabbath, and he says, it is. Well. God says you shall not work on the Sabbath. But I did. But I did it unintentionally. Unintentionally. You see? But if he does it intentionally. Ah, now you're changing things. Yes, very good. Oh, is this is this mindful of that story of the guy who was chopping wood or something it, on the Sabbath? Sabbath? Yeah. And, and he... Yeah. Yeah, he knew. He was executed. Said, yeah. Wow. Uh, but, but okay. Mm. So what we have here... Is we have the difference? You made a great example. If he knew it was Sabbath and he did it, well, that's something uh-huh. different. And, okay. Uh, and so what we have is, uh, uh, did you want to see if somebody has the answer to that one question? Oh, yeah, yeah let's do it before you uh, give it away, uh, give away the farm there. Let's go and talk with Robert. He's calling in and kind of hopefully, Robert, you're going to clear up some of these questions we're having. It's uh, it is interesting to consider the. Uh, redemptive work of, of Messiah on the cross from the point of view of these instructions that were given about offerings and forgiveness and so on in the uh, book of Leviticus. I hope you're going to have a thought for us as well. Robert, good to talk with you. Are you there? I guess you are. Uh, sir, can you hear me? Yeah, now we hear you now just we fine. Can hear you. Good so to hear you. We played with the button some more, and now we can hear you. <laughs> well, so, uh, what is it you wanted to comment on, or answer, or give a thought about? We'd love to hear from you. Ah, uh, yes, sir. The the uh, kosher diet. Okay. Uh, Peter Peter had a vision in Joppa. Yes. Uh, of the east. Well, of the what what was God said? What God called clean don't call unclean. And at the Council of Jerusalem, they told the Gentiles to abstain from fornication and meat sacrifice to idols or the blood was with it or something like that. Ah. So are they released from a kosher diet or or, or what's with that? If you read that. <laughs> what's uh, with uh, that? Uh, That's a good question. Uh, hey, what, hey what's, what's with up, that? Yeah, what's up with that? <laughs> yeah. uh, actually, Robert, I'll tell you something. If you go back in the, what is that, Sophie, is that chapter Fifteen, the book of Acts is the council. Okay, uh, which is chapter ten. He's talking about where it says he has. I believe it is when right. when when uh, Peter is at his house and, uh, and he has, Cornelius he's on the roof and he has this vision. Yeah, and it has a vision of the okay. sheep with animals right. in it. If you look at that very closely, Robert, may I suggest? I'd love to. After you read it, maybe you can call Sophie back next week when I'm not here. <laughs> but. Uh, Actually, if you look I think at he it, set you'll me see up for something, something there. You'll see that it's not referring to food. It's referring okay. to Peter talking about it's okay to recruit the Gentiles because 
uh, if I said they're okay, then they're okay. You actually, if you read the complete chapter, you'll see it's referring to them and using only food as an example or a symbol. That's the point that he's making there, yes, okay. was, was uh, because okay. Cornelius, yeah. he was asking Peter to go visit him, and yes. that does come. But it is it is a very interesting, I think you're right there, uh, It is Robert, it is a very interesting vision that Peter has. I mean, here he is, a, a good yeah. Jesus-loving, God-loving Jewish person, and, and, and God says, what I've called clean, don't you call unclean, and... But it does seem like Jacob is right there because the the point he is, God is actually making with him, is the idea that Cornelius, a Gentile, is asking him to come, and they send a messenger, and 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 Peter hesitates to go because it's a Gentile, and that is actually the point he's making. I I, I agree with that, but it's a very interesting, very intriguing passage, truly. So, uh, but that helps a little bit, right? You can look at it and read it. I don't think Peter was in any way recommending a non-kosher menu. Mm-hmm. I think yeah, Peter yeah. probably was kosher his entire life. Mm-hmm. But he's, but I yeah. think God was saying, "Well, yeah, it's okay. You know, you can talk." God had the rule that uh, the the Gentiles could are always welcome. Uh-huh. Uh, quite frankly, if you read chapter ten, you'll notice that it says that uh, Peter had a good reputation. Cornelius had a good reputation. I'm sorry, yeah. mm-hmm. pardon me. Cornelius had a good reputation. So that was not the issue. It, the law they're talking about that, as you shall not have a law, is a Roman law, not a Jewish law, because the Roman law was if a Jew converted a Roman, the Roman would lose his estate and everything, but the Jew got killed. So that's why Peter was telling, warning them about yeah. if he goes into their home. It's not because Jews didn't want to have supper or didn't have a meal on, with there the Gentile, but this law. would endanger Everybody the Gentile. Everybody there, Cornelius and all of his guests, would have lost all their estates. Yeah, I see. Yeah, That is a helpful insight. It really is, Robert. Thanks for calling in. I'm glad you give sure. us a call. That's, a, that's an insight I think that a lot of us, don't know about that particular story, but it is relevant to this uh, of sin offerings and, and, and dietary laws and so on that we have. Now, where were we uh, talking, We're talking about? about this sin offering okay. in chapter 4? Chapter 4, sin offering. So, so, we, so we know for sure. Sin offering is it's unintentional. Unintentional. That's why Jesus said, he said, forgive them, they know not what they're doing. He didn't say forgive them. They know exactly what they're doing because any any person that's familiar with uh, chapter 4 they could or, not or be forgiven. Yeah. would say, oh, wait a minute. He got it wrong. But he, Jesus, got it right. So he usually that's, does. That's he? It. Yep. Okay. Well, then, th- then is there no uh, provision made in the uh, sacrificial system here in Leviticus? There is no provision for intentional except for repentance and restitution and you said uh, well, yes. okay. a person could be forgiven if they just made a, a bad decision and they repent. They know it was wrong. Lord, I'm, I'm, please forgive me. And they, they make it right. Is that the idea? Or is there just no forgiveness? No, no. There's absolute forgiveness. But the problem is they want it. The way this is set up is they want you to know that the punishment of sin, whether you know it or not, is still wrong. So you're doing a sacrifice for sin that I didn't know, but I probably did because we all sin. Right? Uh-huh. So, so what's going on is 
What's happening is a sin that you don't know. I'll give you an example. You want an example? Good. Okay. Uh, Although I could probably give you a better one out of my own life. But, okay, you go ahead. Well, uh, I don't want oh, Are you going to give this personal example? Of, no. Oh, okay. No, Come it's on. It's be biblical. Come but on. But here's the catch. Okay. So, in the Ten Commandments, it says, Be sure to honor your mother and father so that you may live long upon the land. Okay. So it's got a, something tied to it. A uh, promise. Yeah. Uh, yeah, promise. So you're doing, you're doing the honor, and you get something. Okay? So it's got a, something tied to it. Now, is it called quid pro quo? Is I it? hope so. <laughs> and, and I hate to use those words no, in the current it's, it's climate. It's very but, commonly. Okay. The, uh, the, but then the other one is, when you take the eggs from a nest, you shall wave your hand, and the mother bird shall run away, and you can take the nest so that you may live long upon the land. It's exactly the same. It's funny that the, the the behavior though doesn't say uh, one is honoring your mother and father, right, which yeah. seems very serious and yeah, important, right. and and then the other one is just kind of a trivial thing. Of, well, so a bird will run. You wave your hand, they run. Uh-huh. In other words, we're not supposed to know what sin is worth one point and what's worth ten. We're not supposed to be able to make that judgment. You're supposed to be able to say sin like, is sin. Sin is sin. Now, in other words, so I've done a sin that. I probably sinned and didn't know about. So we have one item that's a sin offering, uh-huh. and that's for things we don't know. Uh-huh. But a sin is a sin is a sin. Okay. Then there's the sin that I've done wrong by doing something else that I should not have done, that I knew I should have done, but I didn't. Then there's the other category of what we call, many times in the Bible, they call willful sin uh-huh. or intentional. Now, the way they translate that in English is this. They'll use the words sin, iniquity, and transgression. Sin is means unintentional. Iniquity means intentional against your fellow human being. Transgression means intentional or possibly even unintentional against God. Those are different things. We're not just finding different words to use for the same action. So you have sin, iniquity, and transgression. So you have those different things. It's telling you that's the word choice that the translators have used. And what they're really telling you is, look, there's a sin that you're going to do that you just don't even know you did, but you're still guilty. If you did it, you still can. There's a sin that you've done. And that's where you become, when you realize it, you say, oh, man, I did do that. Now you're guilty. And you realize you're guilty, so that takes a personal acknowledgement inside of your own mind and soul. You know, I did do that. I'm guilty. Now we got a guilt offering. Oh, I see. Okay, that's the guilt the yeah. um that the guilt offering. Yeah, it's so, required. Uh, Leviticus right. chapter that's, five. That's right. So what's well, happening is well, let then, me ask you this. The, now but let's go I want to go to your Okay, question. okay, go for intentional. What do we do for intentional? In intentional Is that called a sin offering or guilt no, the guilt offering is where I come to my realization that I did Okay, do it. you I, realize after you the have fact. have a sin yeah. offering that I don't know exa- what I did, but I know I did something. Okay. And if I did a sin, I'm as guilty for that sin as anything else. But I don't know what. Okay. So I got this sin offering. Then I got this one where I did something, and I said, you know, I've come to the realization I did do that. Now I know I did it, so now I do the guilt offering because I am guilty of that. One sin is like, so you don't know, but you did something. But the other one is you did it and you realize you did it, okay? 
Uh-huh. Then we have, we're going to go all the way to the category of intent. Okay, now then, I've got to ask this, though, because let's take it uh, uh, today, for example, let, let's say someone has a behavior they know is wrong, drunkenness, yeah. um, uh, uh, some other addiction. Um, I, I know, you know, opioids or, or cocaine or anything, or any kind of addiction or, 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 or a behavior that's that's wrong, they know it's wrong and yet they're they keep doing it you know habitual and and, and they can't escape it it's just an impulse that they can't resist what is that called that would be as why i understand it unintentional because if it's taking away your will and discretion because you're so addicted you can't make a decision then it certainly is unintended wow well, that's a fine line, isn't it? No, not for me. It seems. I mean, I'm, I don't have any problem. I will tell you one that will say well. smoker. That's that is violating the commandment that you shall not kill yourself. Yeah, well, it doesn't say self. It says you shall not. Uh, oh, kill. I, I get it, it but that's the idea that you're yourself. saying you're going at. Yeah. But isn't about everything we do in life in some way contributing to our death? <laughs> I mean, if you eat, if you. I mean, if you do almost anything, well, we're headed to die anyway, so everything we're doing is contributing to it, We're and, right? And your body will tell on you. <laughs> that's true. But I, I guess that that's, that's always been, uh, when we get into talking about this, and, and I think a lot of folks have that besetting sin. You know, in the Hebrews, it talks about uh, even the sin, um, in the, what is it, Hebrews 12 there, it talks about... Um, even the besetting sin, the the sin, the habitual sin, the one that overcomes our our, our we, you know, it could be anything. Uh, overeating, gluttony, it could be uh, drug addiction, alcohol addiction, it could be uh, pornography addiction, it could be some uh, sexual addiction uh, that people have. And I've always wondered, you know, because I think all of us have struggled against sin in our lives. It said, well, you know, Lord, I don't want to do this. I, you know, I have a, I have a tendency to lie. I have a tendency to pad my resume. I have a tendency to, to make, try to make myself look good or whatever. There, all of these things that we, I, I know, I've struggled against some stuff in my in my life, and I, and I, I don't want to do it, and yet I do it anyway. Like Paul says in in the book of Romans, the things I want to do, I don't do. The things I don't want to do, I end up doing. Oh, who can deliver me from this body of death? And he says, thanks be unto God for Jesus. The sacrifice okay, and all, so, but I don't uh, know how, how that would, would fit in the uh, that Levitical in pattern. Yeah. So what we have here is we have a situation where you have a intentional, but none of these animals are for intent. Uh-huh. So how do you deal with the intent, which was your question? Okay. Yes. Exactly. So how you deal with it is it takes repentance. I'm assuming that's what it always takes. Uh-huh. Repentance, and repentance is not just. It, let me let me see if I get this right. Repentance means turning around, turning, changing of mind, a changing of attitude, and actually changing the, the word in Hebrew, the behavior. For example, teshuva. In other words, you must recognize you did wrong. You have to make recompense. You have to apologize to God, shall we say? And then you have to turn around, as you say, and not do it again, because that's how you demonstrate that you're really sorry. If you keep doing it, you're not sorry. Even if it's an addictive behavior. Uh, I didn't say that. Now, if it's taking away your free will, 
then you've got a situation where Boy. it's something different. Yeah. If a guy, I mean, there's more than one kind of alcoholic. Some are like binging alcoholics that enjoy it. Some get so, their body craves it so bad they lose their absolute control. I think there's a difference there. I can see the difference. Mm-hmm. But so, but the intent. Now, how is it that in the uh, guy says, I robbed a bank. And somebody says, well, Jesus died for your sins. It's all forgiven if you... That's an intriguing example you give us there. Don't Jesus died for your sins as long as you just say you're sorry, go on and be forgiven and be happy. So you're saying that's not going to be necessarily the right in a strict reading understanding. of what it says in Leviticus and the strict reading of what Jesus said on the cross. He didn't say intent. So if I go rob a bank and I do it, I plan it, I did it, it's premeditated, technically that would not be covered. You know, we're not just talking theory here, folks. We're talking. This is very close and near to all of us about forgiveness and struggling against sin and against uh, these things. So we really need to get to this. And I, I think what it comes down to is really repenting. Is there a real heart of repentance in our heart? And, and I don't know if anyone really truly knows that. Is the Lord, of course, I'm going to trust that He knows the difference. But uh, let's talk about it some more. We'll come back for our final segment from the book of Leviticus. The question we started with. Okay. Uh, 210-340-9585. If you'd like to be like Robert, give us a call and give us a thought about this very important topic of forgiveness and cleansing and sacrifice and what, uh, what Jesus accomplished for us on the cross and understanding it more thoroughly than perhaps we ever had. So don't go away again, and uh, we will be right back. This is the Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. Listening to the Bible live with Soapy Dollar. All right, these are our our what converted Christmas tunes. Uh, some secular songs, of course. You recognize that? I'm dreaming of a white Christmas, and uh, so we've got we baptized them, right? We wrote some new lyrics to some of those old Christmas songs. So let's take a quick look at some. Okay, let's do that. Now, look, you were talking. You brought up something about. the two boys of Aaron dying, right? Right. Their clothes are holy, their clothes left. But they got burnt up. Now, yes. Right after that, we got the section about the kosher animals. So it's telling us something that kosher is important because if you're going to eat stuff that's not kosher, you're sort of doing like the boys did. They brought a strange fire. Uh-huh. Do you want to know what the Jews understand that's about? Yes, I do. That's about they were drunk. Okay. And 
they were drunk, and I think, if I understand correctly, the fire w- that they were supposed to use out of the um, brazen altar, they were to take the coals that were, that were perpetually burning, always burning, and they were to use those in their uh, buckets for the incense, right? And they didn't evidently use that, follow the command of God about the coals and the fire that they were to, supposed to use. That... You correct me, I think, if I'm wrong there, but oh. I think that was it. But you're saying the reason they did that was because they were negligent, they were drunken, and and. Well, look, look at verse chapter ten. Uh huh. Verse ten. Look what it says. All right. Ten ten. Okay. It says, uh, "You must distinguish between what is sacred and what is common, between what is ceremonially unclean and what is clean." Oh. And you must teach the Israelites all the decrees that the Lord has given them through okay, Moses. You, you went on, but I don't know why the word ceremonials in there. That, that, okay. that, that doesn't exist. But uh, anyway, the point is, it says uh, you must distinguish between the sacred and the profane. Mm-hmm. Okay? So they want you to make decisions. This guy, these two boys were not, uh, were not they were imbued and taught. Uh-huh. They did something intentional. Ah. And they let's say they picked the wrong fire, but they were also drinking. The Jews understand that they were drinking and drunk. Okay. Now, something very interesting happens in this, and it goes back to your idea of willpower. Uh-huh. Let's say the guy is intentionally going out and using drugs, and he knows what he's doing. He's not addicted, so he's making a decision. That's one thing. But let's say a guy is, pardon me, so addicted that he can't control it. He's lost his will. He just doesn't have the will, the heart to do stuff. He can't control himself anymore. Well, we have an example coming up in this chapter. Look at what happened in chapter 10, verse uh, 16. Sure, the other two sons of Moses, uh, Eliezer and Ithamar, they didn't... He just instructed them, if I was looking at this, in ch- earlier in the chapter, he tells to them where they're supposed to eat this particular sacrifice. Okay. He tells them, uh, said to Aaron and his remaining sons, Eleazar and Ithamar, take what is left of the grain offering after a portion is presented as a special gift to the Lord and eat it beside the altar. Make sure it contains no yeast, and so- yeast uh, uh, for it is most holy. You must eat it, in a- eat it in a sacred place. Okay, but did they do that? It, no. Okay, now look what it says. What I want to get to is the you your issue was, what about if somebody does something then they they don't have the will or they're addicted? Okay. So let's look at verse sixteen. It says Moses inquired incessantly, incessantly, about the the goat of the sin offering. Uh-huh. For behold, it had been burned, and right. he was very upset with. Elazar and Ithamar. Because they were just told they had to eat it in a certain certain place. And and Aaron's remaining son said, well, we didn't do it. And then what happened is, look at verse uh, 19. Uh Aaron spoke to Moses. Now, they didn't do it. Uh Aaron was supposed to do it. If not, he's supposed to make sure his boys do it. Uh Well, 19 says, Aaron spoke to Moses. Was it they who this day offered their sin offering and their elevation offering before God. Now such things befell me. Were to I eat this sin offering, would God approve? And look what it says. 20, verse 20. Chapter 10, verse 20. Moses heard 
and he approved. In other words, as we were discussing during the break, Aaron just lost two of his sons. Uh-huh. He didn't have the will, the heart to do what he was supposed to do. He knew what he was supposed to do, but he was a is he was so overwhelmed he lost his will. Okay, to see if I understand that he they didn't follow the direction as to what they were to eat this particular sacrifice there in this particular place that was commanded of them and he said uh yet this tragedy has happened to me I've lost my sons if I had eaten the people's sin offering on such a tragic day of this would the Lord have been pleased. In other words, he he didn't have the, he had no appetite. He had no his heart was not in that and because he had lost, he was grieving. He lost his sons. Exactly. And so you're saying, and then we see there that Moses heard this and was satisfied. Um, so that that's the example you're talking about of exactly. like a habitual. So, so if a guy is so overwhelmed with drugs, he can't have will, then God would understand because hmm. you know, even Moses heard and said, you know, hey, look at verse 20. Look at that short sentence. Moses heard and he approved. Uh-huh. In other words, he said, you know, I understand why you didn't do it. You were to do it, but you didn't have the will to do it because your children, two boys just died. Yeah. Okay. So we got something going on here. So we, now we know about if you, to answer your question, if a guy just loses his will, we have to be understanding about that because he no longer can make a conscious decision. Well, when it comes to this from the New Testament, uh, I'd like to kind of outline that how we look at this this whole area of forgiveness and cleansing. Uh, in the New Testament, and see how it lines up with this. And, and, and what we understand, what we've come to understand is that Jesus, the Messiah, is, as John the Baptist said, the, the Lamb of God who takes away sin. And so that he, uh, his death on the cross, he atoned for all of my sins. And when I put, place my faith and trust in Christ and trust him and, and surrender my heart and life to him, then all of my sins are forgiven, past, present, and future. In other words, sin is no longer an issue in terms of my relationship with God. However, as a believer, as a follower of Jesus Christ, I still make mistakes. I still make intentional, sometimes, and even unintentional mistakes. And you make them sometimes because you just don't have the thing inside of right? you to do it. Yeah, and I, I lack strength. I lack understanding. And, and, I, but, and so what we understand is that all of our sins, past, present, and future, are already atoned for and forgiven in Christ so that the sin now as a believer is no longer a threat or a detriment to my relationship well, with God. That's but true. But, the, but that the sin can, as a believer, it is detrimental and harms my fellowship with God, which we well, make a distinction. A, that's a dimension that's very important. Is that is that somewhat accurate? To well, okay, let's say, let's use your example, and let's say, look, we got the one sin offering for things I didn't even know that I did, but I surely did them. Uh-huh. So, but a sin is a sin for God. It's a sin is a right. sin is a uh-huh. sin. So there are things I didn't do that I should have done that I didn't even know I did. So I make one offering for that. So I make my first that says I must make my acknowledgement. I did it. That takes a conscious decision that I know I'm a sinner. I've done stuff. Well, now I'm going to do the illustration of offering this lamb for things I didn't even know. And then there's the one where I realize, oh, man, I did do that. I am guilty of that, my guilt offering. Then you got the example we just looked at with Aaron. Yeah, I know I'm supposed to do it, but I, I just don't have the will. I'm addicted to the out drugs, perhaps, or he was so overwhelmed by the death of his kids, he just couldn't do it. And Moses says, yeah, that's okay, I understand. Now, we got all that. Now, 
So you you have all that now with your example of Jesus on the cross. Let's go ahead and address this other. Would question. that be more like the atonement, the Lamb of Atonement, the Day of Atonement Lamb, the the covering the sins of the people as they repent. In other words, the, uh, in other words, the way we way we kind of teach it and understand it from the New Testament is that. Uh, Christ is our atonement lamb, that we are forgiven, we're placed in right, we're placed in right relationship with God through the work of Jesus the Messiah. By his stripes we're healed, we're yeah, cleansed, yeah, and so yeah. But that now as God's people, the relationship is solid and based and unchangeable because it depends entirely on who Jesus was and what he accomplished on our behalf. Whereas our fellowship, our experience of our of our our, our our sonship, our experience of joy and relief and, and contentment in, in Christ, that can change due to the way we deal with sin in our life. And there we're called upon to confess, homologeo, say the same thing that God says about our sin is part of the confession process. Where, In other words, that's the means, that's the step of faith by which we bring the forgiveness we already have in Christ, right, how that, we bring that down into modern, our experience. That, is that a, is that's, that a, a, that's a very wonderful example from the Christian perspective. I agree with that. I, okay, I, I, okay. Tell, I, I wonder how it lines up with... Well, because everything that these land, these sins we're talking about, the sins I'm doing, what I don't know I did, mm-hmm, but mm-hmm, I did, but I acknowledge mm-hmm, I did it. Mm-hmm. Every one of the things you just mentioned are already in here. Everything's in Leviticus. I, uh, I, I've made the decision. I know I've done something that I shouldn't have done. I don't know what it was, but I did. It was unintentional. I must have, so I did. So I got that. Then I got the one where I realized, oh, man, I did do that. I'm guilty. Then you got all these others. So all those things d- is part of what was taking place for the Christian uh-huh. in Jesus, okay? Right. Here, but but did, did did Jewish people, for example, here in Leviticus in that era or that time or even perhaps even today, I don't know. Uh, I'm assuming that I guess in my mind I'm assuming that they too had the understanding that we all sin. We all make well, mistakes. It's right there in the book. Yeah. And we, we continue. Even though we you love God, see. even though we love God and we want to obey oh, God, yeah, we still make mistakes. Love has nothing to do with sinning. Uh, no, I'm talking about the sincerity of our heart uh, toward yeah. God, though. Well, I'm okay. In other words, we're not just you're trying to pull one over on God. We're not just trying to get away. But even as a sincere, godly person who loves God. The answer uh, to your question is, do we still yes, make mistakes? of course they realize. Okay. God's been teaching him. He gave him a system here. You bring your sheep, your uh-huh. sheep, uh, and you do it because you're making an acknowledgement. I've sinned. I've done something God said not do that I didn't do, whatever it is. So that's one category of sin, and as I said, the others. But yes, of course they understood. But my question is, if this is in place, and this does everything you've just outlined from the Christian uh-huh. part, why was it necessary for to bring Jesus later and do it on the cross, and would you like my suggested answer? Okay. Right. I, I'd like to hear your suggested answer. Because of this, we're going to the, re- number one, we're going to the result. A sin is a sin is a sin. And most non-Jews are not taught the Bible. They're not taught the what you call the Old Testament. Uh-huh. They're not taught God's laws. So they don't know what God's laws is, number one. So if they don't know, obvious is unintentional. Okay. Number two, not everybody could be at Mount Sinai that day. There were some Jews and other people. Yeah, about two and a half million. Okay, so we, we got that. 
However, with a lot of folks back in Egypt still, right? In, in uh, everywhere, many people the ra- today were yeah. not at Mount Sinai. Okay, uh-huh. maybe some guys in New Jersey, maybe in Hong Kong. I don't know, but they weren't there, so they don't know all these rules. They don't know this, and this was given to the people that were at Mount Sinai. That mm-hmm. included, and there's a section that said this is for the Jew. And the ones that travel with you, in other words, the non-born Jew, but he's a believer in God and follows the same rituals, the same laws. So he's into, but not everybody was there. There was a lot of pagans. Well, they didn't know how to do it. I'm going to suggest this. Two things. They don't know what God's laws are, so it's unintentional, number one. Number two, they get the idea that Jesus took care of it for you. Uh So you don't have to know all these rules. For example, when you go to some place that you've been to, or is it Turkey, wherever you went to, Uh uh, you didn't go there and say, I need you guys to really understand the technicalities of this. You didn't get that. They didn't want that. They just want to know that there's a method. And the idea was, the result is, I've done some stuff wrong, but this lamb, Jesus that Soapy's referring to, has taken care of the God sin. does forgive. Yes, uh-huh. He does forgive. Like you said, uh, what they discovered at the right. base of Mount Sinai right. is Jehovah, the right. God of Abraham, so Isaac, is a God who forgives. Yeah. So that's right. So here's what you're telling them, is that Jesus came, number one, for the non-Jews and the people, and including the ones that were at Mount Sinai. Right. At Mount Sinai, these rules were given to the Jews and the ones that traveled with them. So they, and it says the one, the natural born and the one not born. Uh-huh. But they're all the same with God. So these rules applied because it says as they man, entered that covenant with God, they became all of them, all of them, the people of God. They became part of Israel, uh-huh. the people of God, as you say. So, and it says, and actually back in chapter one, it says, if a, it says, say to the sons of Aaron. So we know it's going to be the sons of Aaron. Then it says, if a man. It doesn't say, if a Jew. Mm-hmm. It says, if a man. And actually, that means men or women. But if that's what happens, then you don't have to be Jewish to do this. You right. see, there's even a spot in Isaiah uh-huh. where it says, uh, my house will be called a house of prayer for everybody, all the nations. Remember that? Uh-huh, Same uh-huh. idea right here. So, but what happens with a person that hasn't been at Mount Sinai or been exposed to this? They don't know what to do. They're, maybe they're in Africa. Maybe they're in China. Maybe, you know, maybe uh, they're in Australia. So they don't know anything about this. But they, you, you tell them that, look, you are a pagan, but now you're not a pagan because you just believe Jesus did this and he took care of it. So it's concentrating on the result, not the action. For example, if a guy punches a guy in the nose, he means to punch him in the nose, but he doesn't mean to kill him. And that's actually a real situation I was familiar with 20, 25 years ago. A guy punched a guy in the nose. He didn't mean to kill him, but he did. So he did the act, but he did not mean the result. So with God, a sin is a sin is a sin. So number one, all the people that are really are not taught what God's laws are, they, let's fix it, they don't know. Hmm. Not very often. And so, but you're going to do it. So it, it is unintentional. If it is unintentional, then a lamb does take care of it, you see. See? And then you got all these people. Now, Jesus did one thing I want to point out. I was, uh, you know, the, the college professor was here with us one uh-huh, day. Uh-huh. Okay, I, I was talked to him. Uh, we had a bite to eat uh, a week ago. And I said to him, I said, you know, one thing about Jesus, he did something just remarkable for the world. 
and his name's Mike, and he said, what's that? And I said, no matter what we think of him, whether we think he's divine or just a, re- a really swell guy, whatever, no matter what, he did something for the non-Jewish world. Oh, no doubt about that, right? Oh, uh, I'm going to tell you something you didn't think about. He stopped human sacrifice. You think about it. No longer do you have to kill your child. No longer do you have to kill a virgin. He said, from now on, just take me. Except it's me that did it for you. You no longer have to kill your children. And the idea is that at Mount Sinai, I'm sorry, when Abraham was going to offer Isaac, the Jews take that as, the idea is you never kill your children. But the idea didn't catch on because there was a lot of surrounding nations that still killed the children. Uh But when Jesus came along and did it, what he really did for the non-Jewish world, for the pagan world... He did away with that idea that we have to kill our children. You don't have to kill your babies anymore. Uh, Remarkable, yeah. And and see, nobody stops thinking. I I think that's a remarkable feat he achieved. (laughs) Among many others, yes, I get it. Well, that is so interesting. I'm trying to make the comparison here with, with our understanding of... Perhaps we each have, you see, the people there at the base of Mount Sinai, those those who truly covenanted with God, when God says, if you, and those in their hearts said, I, I want to follow you, the true and living Actually, God, says, I, I, that no, was their conversion. Just to get technical, it says, just before God spoke the commandments, you know what they said? It says in the Bible, uh, we'll do it. In other words, they agreed to do it before they heard it. The hearts were yeah, the hearts the, were there. Yes. Com- committed to God. Yeah. Now then, and so that kind of gives me an understanding. I'm I'm thinking about what you've often said is that the laws of God were not ever intended for conversion. Nope. They had already converted by when they surrendered their and covenanted with God to obey whatever you say. The laws of God were intended to guide them as God's people. This is how you are to live and treat each other, and how you are right. to. As God's people. The Tanakh, or Old Testament as it's called, that's about how to live on earth. As God's people. And your relationship with other people and Mm -hmm. your relationship on earth towards God Uh has nothing to do with getting to heaven. But it's for God's people. They refer to guide us in the way. So maybe that kind of ties in with what I'm saying about we come to our own Mount Sinai experience when we come when I was eight years old and I just, I realized that I was a sinner and that I needed I like a Savior. What you said. That you have your own Mount Sinai experience. I covenanted with God and became a part of the people of God. And now, and sin is no longer, that's my salvation. That's That means I'm part of God's people. I'm going to heaven. But then after that, it has been, I've learned how to live as God's son and God's child. I'm, I'm, I'm God is teaching me, guiding me, enabling me, empowering me to be and live as he wants me to. And when I do make a mistake in sin, it's not because uh, that doesn't mean, you know, well, now I'm going to hell or now I'm not saved because I sinned. But it's that's when I confess, I agree with God, say the same thing that God says about my sin and about its reality, about its disastrous, harmful results to my life and the life of others, about its remedy in the cross of Jesus and the, the promise of God's Spirit well, we have the to example. remove the sin from let's, my life. Let's, let's example, an intent. I have to make, I'm remorseful, I realize I did wrong, and we know, like other places, for example, in Deuteronomy, 
I steal a, I steal a hundred bucks from you. I spent you did. Well, well, I want that back I got, with interest. I got to give you back the hundred bucks I took from you. But due to myself, what I did to you, I got to give you another hundred. Uh-huh. And if I do not have two hundred, uh-huh. then I have to go to work for you. But I don't have to work off two hundred. I just have to work off the one hundred that I took. But during that time, you got to teach me. But that was an intentional act. Look what you've done. I've accepted what I did wrong. I'm going to correct my actions either by paying it or working it mm-hmm. off. And you're going to teach me right from wrong. So all that kind of stuff, that's intentional, you see. That's handling with your actions for intent. Well, see, that's what God does. That's the whole idea. We're looking at 1 John 1, 9. He says if we can, and John in that epistle He's talking to believers. He's not talking to uh, pagans or, you know, people who don't believe and uh, not following. He's talking to Christians. Now, you can see it in the context of 1 John. And he, but then he tells them, if we confess our sin as Christians, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from confess? all unrighteousness. The word confess in Greek, homologeos, it means if we say the same thing that God says about our sin. I should say I believe in different sex marriage, if that's what you're driving at. Okay. Uh, the, 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 no, I would, I'm joking. You said okay, that. okay. But so I always taught what we teach the young men and women at Lactal when we talk about how to confess and experience our forgiveness and cleansing right, in Christ. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it's, it's not a new oh, forgiveness. Shoot. It's Wild how to experience time. the forgiveness. Time. That we have. So I'm going to be gone. Uh, time to, is already gone. Yes. Bye. And so I'm going to have to say, always be the kind of person you would like to have for a parent. And I always like to hear you say that. Thanks for being with us, folks. Next week we are reading, beginning the Gospel of Matthew, and hopefully have a really good special guest next week that you'll enjoy hearing from. All right? Give us a listen next Sunday evening. Have a Merry Christmas, everyone. The Bible Live is dedicated to helping restore the Bible to our culture. Mailing address is P.O. Box 18888. That's Box 18888. San Antonio, Texas, 78218. Hear the entire Bible every year on The Bible Live, weeknights at 930 on this great station. Then join Soapy every Sunday evening at 9 o'clock for fun, inspiration, and valuable prizes on The The Bible Bible Live Live Quiz Show. Show. Visit our website, BibleLive.com. That's BibleLive.com for more information about Soapy and The Bible Live broadcast. You may also order materials at the website and make tax-deductible donations to help minister to our military personnel and broadcast the entire Bible every year to America and the world. Turbulent times call for clear-headed insight. That's hard to come by these days, especially on TV. That's where we come in. Salem News Channel has the greatest collection of conservative minds all in one place. People you know and trust, like Dennis Prager, Eric Metaxas, Charlie Kirk, and more. Unfiltered, unapologetic truth. Find what you're searching for at snc.tv and on Local Now Channel 525.